and gentlemen, from New York City, Joe Garagiola! Welcome to To Tell the Truth. Now, if you're a faithful viewer of this show, you know that this game is played with one real person who must always tell the truth, right? And then two imposters who can lie right through their teeth, okay? Well, our first guest, he's made a career out of being the most outrageous imposter that we've ever come across on this show. Let's meet a champion imposter. Number one, what is your name, please? My name is Frank William Abagnale. Number two. My name is Frank William Abagnale. And number three. My name is Frank William Abagnale. I, Frank William Abagnale, am known as the world's greatest imposter, and no wonder. In the course of my nefarious career, I've pounded myself off as a doctor, lawyer, college instructor, stockbroker, and airline pilot. To become an airline pilot, I merely bought a plastic ID card for $5, affixed an airline logo from a model plane hobby kit, and in no time at all, was co-pilot for a major airline. For six years, I also cashed over $2,500,000 in bad checks in 26 countries. Paroled, I now devote my life to the prevention and detection of crime. Signed, Frank William Abagnale. Oh, okay. Here we go. Now, will the real Frank William Abagnale please stand up? Strike three, folks. Thank you very much, Frank. Thank you, our two imposters who played our game to tell the truth. Okay, I'm just curious, okay, if you're willing to admit that you're old enough to remember that show. Oh, nice. How many of it was like it was a favorite of your families? You all gathered around? Oh, I just, we just loved this. To tell the truth. You know what's crazy about that episode is that episode had the most notorious liar ever known to the United States, maybe the entire world, Frank William Abagnale. But in this case, he had to tell the truth. He was the only one, maybe for the first time in his life, he was telling the truth, and everyone else had to lie. And I don't know if you were aware of it or not as you were looking, but we didn't have time to put it in this clip for you, but not one of the celebrity contestants got it right. So they fooled them all, fooling the fools. Question, how can you tell who the imposters are from the real people? Let me ask you this question. Do we have imposters? Are there such thing as imposters out there that are putting themselves off as something that they're not? Actually blatantly lying about it and trying to convince everybody else that there's something that they're really not. And if you really knew who they were, then you would know the real somebody that they really are. Posers, 
liars, pretenders. Mm. Do I get to ask you this question? Are there posers and imposters among us? in the church of Jesus Christ, in this local assembly. It got a little quiet right there. Yeah. <laughs> are there posers and imposters among us? Are there those who are pretending to be something in the church of Jesus Christ, but they're just lying about it and they're pretending because they don't want anybody to know what they really are? Okay, well, we're kind of all in agreement and we're brokenhearted over that. But here's the question, how do you know who they are? How can you tell? Well, this is what we're gonna be working on for the next several weeks as we launch into this brand new series called, Will the Real Christians Please Stand Up? You might ask the question, we might ask the question, we're actually going to ask the question, is it possible to tell who the real Christians are? And the obvious answer is from the book of 1 John is going to be, and you're going to see it, yes, it is possible to find out who the real Christians are. We're gonna find the answers in 1 John. So let's get our Bibles and let's take our Bibles and open them to the book of 1 John as we get started here. And as you're opening your Bibles, I'm gonna give you some historical and practical background, okay? The author is John. It is John the Apostle John. It is John who wrote the Gospel of John in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is one of the apostles that was closest to Jesus, that Jesus chose to follow him. He's also the one who authored the book of Revelation. And you might ask the question, well, who's he writing this book to? Because it really doesn't say it. If you look through it, you can't really find an audience that he's writing to. The audience is all who believe. The audience is the church of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's written to us. So I want you to think of it as we go through this book, I want you to think of it in that way. I don't want you to think about it. it's written to the believers in Philippi. It's written to us. It's written to all who believe generically to everybody in the church of Jesus Christ. And, they, and John has three reasons for writing this book and telling us the things that he's going to tell us. And I'm gonna fly right through them for you because we're gonna pick them apart as we go through this. The first reason we're gonna see today in 1 John 1, 4, where he says, we're writing this to you to make our joy complete. Your Bible might say to make your joy complete. If you have the King James Version, it says that. 1 John 2, 1, here's the second reason he wrote the book. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. The third reason you write the book you can find in 1 John 5, 13. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, there's who he's writing it to, so that you may know you have eternal life. And you're like, can you know that you have eternal life? We're gonna find out the answer to that because John, that's one of the reasons why he wrote the book. So here's what he's saying. I'm writing this to those who believe because I want you to have joy, I want you to stop sinning, and I want you to know that you have eternal life. I think I have it on the screen like this. I want to eliminate your sadness, your sin, and your doubt. That's what we're gonna be working on for the next several weeks. And John's gonna teach us the identifiers of true Christians. 
so that we can know who the real Christians are among us. He's gonna show us things that, are, that a true believer will be growing in, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, growing in, because none of us are ever going to fully arrive to perfection from what the scripture has for us to live out while we're here on this earth. It's called progressive sanctification. We are constantly growing in our faith. But he's gonna give us characteristics of true believers because true believers will actually be growing in the certain things that we're gonna be working on, on things like loving deeply, obeying faithfully, living authentically, living out, out loud our life for Jesus Christ, knowing Christ more and more and then believing in him confidently. These are the things we're gonna be working on as we follow along with John as he writes to the church. These things that we just, I just said to you, those five things, when added to our lives, will produce joy unspeakable, they will decrease sin, and they will increase our eternal security. So, you in? You excited? Let's just jump in then, okay, to today because we're gonna look at some godly realities that John wants us to know. And reality number one, without any hesitation, is that Jesus is 100% God. This is a reality that is important for every believer to understand that Jesus is 100% God. Look at 1 John 1.1. John writes out, and this is just interesting because he doesn't start out the book like all the other authors do, you know? Hello, my name's John, I'm writing this. He just gets right to the point and this is what he says. This is the number one biggest point right here. We wanna proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Now, who's the one that he's talking about? Well, we know him to be Jesus. Move to John, the Gospel of John. Keep your finger in 1 John and jump over to the Gospel of John. And we're gonna kind of jump back and forth a little bit today and see the parallels. Because when he wrote the Gospel of John, he did the exact same thing at the very beginning. So John 1.1 says this, in the beginning, the word, we know that from study, that the word is Jesus, the word already existed. The word was with God, and here it is, the word was God. Jesus is 100% God. He existed in the beginning with God. And you might ask, well, when the beginning of what? When the beginning of time. That's what he's talking about. He's going back to the very first reality given to the world in Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, who? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was there when the heavens were created. Who was there with God according to John 1 and 1? Jesus. Who is Jesus? God, because it said who was with God from the beginning, who was God. So I just want you to know Jesus is 100% God. He's the second person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And what this speaks to, what John wants us to understand right out of the chute is that Jesus is eternal. This speaks to the eternality of Jesus. He was not a created being. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Look at John again, the Gospel of John 1 verse 3. God created everything through him, Jesus, and nothing was created except through him, Jesus. 
The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So what we find here is that Jesus is there in the beginning. Jesus was with God because he is God and he is the creator of all things. So the truth and reality is that before time and space, Jesus just spoke and the worlds and the universes were formed. In fact, the scripture describes him as being the creator and sustainer of the universe. He is 100% God and never was there a time that he wasn't. Here's something for you to write down. Jesus is not a contingent being. You and I are. (laughs) Our lives are contingent upon a lot of things. We're actually... Our existence is contingent upon God's grace and mercy, first of all. But we rely on oxygen to breathe, food to eat, and water to drink. And if we don't have any of those, we die. We cannot continue. We're dependent upon lots of things like that. Jesus, not dependent upon anything. He is self-sustaining. He is not a contingent being. He is 100% God. Everybody got it? All right. That's a big deal. But though he's 100% God, reality number two is you can experience Jesus personally. How awesome is that, you guys? Jesus is God. Almighty God, the one and only Almighty God, and yet we can experience Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. You and I. Look at John, 1 John, 1 John 1 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, and get this now, here's the experience, whom we have heard and seen. We saw Him with our own eyes, touched Him with our own hands. He is the Word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. Circle that in your Bible. Because it's important to know that you can't know the Lord unless he's revealed to you. That's how awesome it is that we celebrate him in communion because of the day that he revealed himself to us. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And what they're saying, what John is saying, is this group of people that experienced him, we know him personally, and you can too. We want to proclaim to you that you can know him personally just like we do. We've seen him with our eyes. We sat by his side and heard his voice. We've touched him with our own hands. We have experienced him, and we've experienced in real time him being the word of life. It was revealed to us, and now we want to share it with you too. That's what real Christians do. If you want to know who the real Christians are, look around and find out who's sharing their experience with other people. It's like this. I've experienced Jesus personally, and I want everyone else to know that they can experience him personally as well. That's the true mark of Christianity. Okay. But you've got to have it to share it, right? Right? 
Because if you don't have it and you're trying to share it, what are you? You're an imposter. You're pretending because you don't really know if Jesus is worth knowing if you don't know him, right? Now, if you don't know Jesus and you want to share Jesus, you can because God will use that. God can use whatever he wants. But you can't share something you've never, partaste, you've never partook of or you've never tasted of. You can't, let's put it this way, you can't lead anybody to a place you've never been before. And what John is saying here is we know him personally. We've seen him, we've heard him, we've touched him, we've, we've listened to his stories, we have experienced him. So we know you can experience Jesus personally and we want you to experience him personally. And if you've truly experienced Jesus, you can't help but share him. I want to talk about cake. Because <laughs> I believe, Amber, will you? This is my daughter, Amber. She's going to come give me a hand, okay? Um, I believe the best cake in the universe. Here, I got the napkins right here. Yeah. The best cake in the universe is carrot cake. But it's not just carrot cake. Now, Craig, you're a new friend of mine, okay? We just met this morning. This is your first time here from Austin, Texas, right? A good place to escape from. A good place to escape from, he says, right? It's Austin, Texas. <laughs> Now listen, brother, you don't know me, okay? But I just need to know, you to know that there is a place here called Jaywalkers in Mottville. You'll figure out where Mottville is, okay? You know where Mottville is. here 27 years before we ran away. Well, welcome back home, buddy, okay? So there's Jaywalkers in Mottville. Now I've had, I've had carrot cake all over the place, but there is no better carrot cake than Mottville, Indiana. Do you know why I know that? Is it Michigan? I don't care where it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're going to share Jesus, you better know where Jesus is from, right? He's from heaven. Okay, I know that. All right, here's the deal. Buddy, listen, I just, it actually pains me a little bit because I would like to eat all this myself, but I can't wait for you to share in the wonderful experience of Jay Walker's carrot cake. You just enjoy that right there. Who else wants some kids? You want some? You, you, of course, all the kids. Okay, let's do it. Come on, Amber, let's go. Let's, give it, let's do it. Listen, you guys, you don't appreciate it. Your little taste buds. I'm actually probably wasting this on you guys right now because you guys like other stuff. This is just, it's, give it a shot. Isn't that just so awesome? Isn't that, is that the best carrot cake you've like ever had? Come on, come on, Amber, come on. I just, I can't wait for you to share it. I can't wait for you to eat that. You eat that. Now here's the deal, you guys. How do I know? How do I know that this is so good? How do I know? Are you, you okay? You good? Because I have tasted it. I have seen it. I have participated in it. 
I have experienced Jay Walker carrot cake right there. Come on. Just get it all over your mouth. Just let that cream cheese. Isn't that just amazing? Isn't it? I couldn't wait for you to eat. You want some too. I could tell. Come on. I won't even give you a nap. And you just go. Just eat it. Come on, Amber. Dave is like, there you go. I'm going to ask you. Thank you, babe. I'm going to ask you something, okay? Let me ask you. What do you think's more fun? Okay, where do you think, what thing's gonna bring me more joy? Sitting in my basement, eating the carrot cake, or sharing it with you? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to me. Reality number three, sharing Jesus completes my joy. John wants you to know that. Sharing Jesus completes my joy. Not just hanging on to it, not just experiencing it for yourself and, and just savoring every bite in your basement somewhere in the dark. No, it's getting out into the light and saying, I have experienced something wonderful. I want everybody that I know to experience it because it's so, I want you to be as happy as me. I want the same emotional synapses to fire when you eat it too, the way that it happens for me. Too much, but it happens. Look at verse three of 1 John. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. Why? So that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And so we're writing these things so that you may share fully in our joy. Now that's different because some of your Bibles are saying that so our joy would be full or your joy would be full. It's, the answer is like, which one is it? It's yes. I love how this interpretation is. We're writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy that we have shared in because we have experienced Jesus. I just wanna say to you that the greatest joy you can experience is finding, experiencing, and following Jesus. But there's something even greater than that and that is helping someone else Find, experience, and follow Jesus. I'm telling you, if you've ever sat on the other end of a discussion with an unbeliever and you begin to talk about your testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, you begin to open the word of God and share with them and you watch the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to them. You can actually see the blinders fall off of their eyes. You can, you can tell that their ears are open for the first time and you can tell their heart is being filled with the truth that they have believed a lie their entire lives, but now they're filled up with joy because I'm experiencing Jesus. Jesus is being revealed to me. There's no greater joy, my friends, than being the person who is able to actually be the vehicle to bring the message of joy, to bring the message of hope, to bring the message of salvation to that lost person and watch them come out of the darkness into the glorious light. <laughs> no greater joy. We're writing these things to you, John says, so that the lights will come on, resulting in overflowing joy for both you and for us. We, he's like saying, we wanna get this cake into you. That's where the joy comes from, my friends. Jesus actually said, the thing that satisfies me, the food that satisfies me, is sharing the hope, doing the work of my Father and sharing 
the hope. I just have to say that these are the marks of real Christianity. Why don't more Christians have this fire in them to share Jesus? People have a lot of reasons. You know, if you ask them, you know, when's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? I, I don't really do that. I, I'm, really, I'm really nervous about that. There's, they have all kinds of weird excuses, you know, for it. Some are legit. You know, it can be fearful, especially if you're an introvert, to just openly go talk to somebody about Jesus. And, but I'd like to propose that on a greater scale, the reason more Christians... The reason, well, I'm just going to say it. The reason somebody wouldn't share Jesus is because they don't truly have a personal relationship with Jesus. I would not share carrot cake with people if I never tried it. I would certainly never obligate myself by saying, this is the best carrot cake you'll ever eat. If I didn't believe it was the best carrot cake I've ever eaten. I can say that from personal experience. See, some people, when they try to talk about Jesus, they're just talking about someone or something that they know about. It's just something that they've heard about, but they've never seen him. They've never heard him. They've never tasted of him. And they've never walked out of the darkness into, their, into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Bottom line, they aren't satisfied customers. Craig, jaywalkers, baby. Jaywalkers, man, go there. They got other stuff. They got hamburgers. They got amazing bluegill. I'm telling you, it's an awesome place. Go. If you want to, sit on the patio. Like the, the river's going by. It's a beautiful spot. What am I doing? What am I doing? Jaywalkers has never paid me one dime They've got a lot of my money, but they have never paid me one dime, okay? But I'm advertising to you this place where you can get amazing food and the world's best carrot cake because I'm a satisfied customer. Are you getting it? Do I need to go any further? I want to tell everyone I know because something wonderful has happened inside of me. If you're growing in this, then that's the evidence that you are truly a Christian. Here's reality number four. God is 100% light. God is 100%. Jesus is 100% God, and God is 100% light. Look at verse five. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light, and there is no darkness in him. What are the next two words? At all. There is no darkness in God at all. God is 100% light. 1 Timothy 6.16, God is unapproachable light. God is so light, so much light, and so holy that we can't even come before him were it not for Jesus who made a way to become boldly coming into the presence of God. James 1.17, God is the father of light. And John 8.12 Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light, of life. God is 100% light, and in him is no darkness at all. Not so much you and me. 
Look at verse 19 in John chapter three, the gospel of John chapter three, I have it on the screen for you. God's light came into the world, but people love their darkness more than light because their deeds or their actions were evil. Go back to 1 John 1, 6 again and watch this. If we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, what are we, my friends? Come on. We're liars, and we are not practicing the truth. Here's the stark reality against the reality that God is 100% light, and that is that you are not a child of light if you continue to walk in the darkness. If you continue to walk in the darkness, the scriptures say, I didn't make this up and I'm not making this up. You are a liar. You're an imposter, you're a poser. You're a Frank Abagnale Christian. John chapter three, verse 20 says, all who do evil will hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Yeah. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Here's the reality for you and me. You can't live in both worlds because of reality number five. You ready for it? All of our relationships are dependent on light. All of our relationships are dependent on life. You don't get to say, scripture says here, that you have fellowship with God while you're walking in the darkness. But watch this in 1 John 1, 7. If we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Here it is, write this down somewhere. All of our relationships die in the darkness and thrive in the light. In all of my relationships, the second I introduce darkness, no matter what it is of any kind, my relationship with that person starts to go sideways and down. And if I continue introducing that darkness into my relationship, that relationship will eventually die. Guaranteed. Prove me wrong. The scripture is clear. There is no fellowship between light and darkness. You gotta walk in the light. Your relationship depends on light. It thrives on light. When we walk in the light, we're walking in the truth. When we walk in the light, we are in agreement with each other. We're in agreement about God. We're in agreement about sin. We're in agreement about how to live in holiness. We're in agreement about how to raise our family. We're in agreement about things like forgiveness. Great things develop and grow in the light. Nothing good is happening in the dark. It's really scary out down there, actually, because all kinds of forms of evil are happening in the dark. And when you walk in the light, you are walking in truth. And what we're talking about is the truth of God's word and God's word will guide your entire relationship at every level. As I look out here, I see many of you, you're like nodding your heads because you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
You know what happens when darkness enters into a relationship and how that relationship starts to tank immediately and die. And unfortunately, my heart breaks for you. Some of you have had to go through the death of that relationship. So what about the times that I stumble back into Okay, I'm out, I'm in the light, and I stumble back into or purposefully walk back into the darkness. Because we're not perfect. You're not perfect. If you're wondering, just elbow the person next to you, say, am I perfect? Aren't I? They'll be honest with you because we're in church. You're not perfect. You're, we are still sinners. You get that, right? So when we get saved, it's like, like we, okay, now I'm never going to sin. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm never going to sin again. No, we, we're gonna continue to sin even though we're saved. So what happens whenever I fall back into or I on purpose walk back? Has anybody walked back into on purpose into your sin but me? I'm the only one in the building. Three other people have walked into, <laughs> come on right? We don't always accidentally fall back into the darkness. We walk into it. What do we do then? I've got some really good news for you. Look at verse 7, the second half of verse 7. When that happens, the blood, what did we just celebrate? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all Sin. There's some good news. Look at verse eight. If we claim we have no sin, we are openly fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. Who's he talking to? Remember the audience? The church of Jesus Christ. He's talking to believers. If you claim you have no sin, then you're fooling yourself. You're just being ridiculous. That's stupid. We all know. You're just deceiving yourself, by the way, because... If you truly say you have no sin, then you just need to ask the people around you because you're the only one in your world that thinks that you have no sin. I promise you. Newsflash, everybody knows around you that you're a sinner. Your kids know, your wife knows, your husband knows, your coworkers know, your neighbors know, your schoolmates know, your brothers and sisters in Christ know. Oh, and by the way, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, they all know that you are a sinner, that you're still capable of sinning, and they're not shocked by all that. So you don't have to pretend. Okay? <laughs> We're all sinners, and if we would just admit it, See, one of the marks of being a true Christian is understanding completely who we are, that we're broken sinners who were desperately in need of a Savior, couldn't help ourselves, and we still can't help ourselves apart from the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. But we are sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus shed his blood for us and purchased our redemption. And now all of our sins have been washed away. The scripture says that our skins have been covered. And so how can we come boldly before the throne of grace? Because God doesn't see us as the sinners. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, the holy sacrifice for us. All we have to do is confess it, which means to agree that it's wrong. We agree with God. We be honest with God. 
Call it out and repent, and God will forgive you and cleanse you from all of it. This glorious verse, here it is. You've been waiting for it, right? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, from all unrighteousness. Anybody want to shout hallelujah right now to that verse right there? Because that verse is written to Christians, my friend. Now, certainly, if you do not know the Lord and you call on his name and you humble your heart and you repent of your sins and you turn from your wicked ways and you call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. It's certainly true that you can find salvation from your sins, all of your sins, past, present, and future, but it's also true of every believer in Jesus Christ. And if you fail and you walk back into the darkness and you sin, you can come back to the Father because he is faithful and he is just. And when you come back and confess your sin to him, he will forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all that unrighteousness. How awesome is that? And some of you are like, seriously? So I could just keep on sinning? I could just keep on going for it. I could eat like 10 pieces of cake at one time. What's the answer? No. I'm gonna tell you why in a second, but I want you to hear this first because it's first in the scripture. If you confess your sin, he is faithful. God is faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to everything he has said. Faithful to every promise he's ever made. And if he promises to take your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west and bury them in the deepest sea and not remember them against you anymore, then he will never remember your sins against you anymore. And he's talking about all of your sin, not just the ones you did yesterday, and he's gonna now deal with you differently on the ones you do today. He is faithful, and when you come to him and confess your sin, God is not going to say, that's it, I'm done with you, you're coming back another time, you're done, you just crossed the line, I'm kicking you out of my family. Doesn't do that. He's faithful to his promise that he holds your salvation. You don't. Aren't you glad, my friend, that your salvation is independent upon your ability to not walk back into sin, back into the darkness? Because we'd all be toast, literally. God's not like, you come to him, he's like, are you seriously coming back here again? Didn't we just talk about this yesterday? Yeah. But I'm really sorry. I'm really weak. And you know what he says? I know. I know. That's why I sent my son to die for you. Praise God for that. He doesn't hold it against us. But like the woman in sin, he looks at us and says, okay, now go stop your sinning. That's what true Christians are like. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a hallmark verse for us. Now for sure, are you listening? We're almost done here, so hang on with me, okay? For sure, the fellowship is broken. For sure, the relationship, something happens to it because you entered darkness. You, you, you brought darkness into the relationship, so the fellowship is broken. For sure, you have grieved the Holy Spirit of God whenever you sin. For sure, many times, 
for over many days maybe, and sometimes months, we have grieved the Spirit so much that we quench the Spirit of God and His power cannot work inside of us until we fix that thing between us and God because sometimes we sin, but we are too embarrassed or we just are too stubborn to go to God and confess it. But when you do come to Him and you get up off of your knees of confession, God says, I am faithful to forgive you of all of that. Now, don't be stupid, okay? And don't take advantage of God because he is also just. He is faithful and he's just. God's not a pampering parent, <laughs> which means he's happy to dish out discipline upon those that he loves whenever we do the wrong thing. He's happy to do that. And the scripture says that discipline isn't pleasant at the time. But it's because he loves us. He's not a lenient teacher. He will, he'll never let sin slide. He loves you too much for that. God is 100% light, but he is not light on sin. And he's not okay with your sin when you go there in fact, the scripture says that God is always angry at sin. Sin can't even be in the presence of God because of his light. But don't miss this. He poured out all of his wrath against sin on his sinless son, Jesus Christ. Look here. Jesus took the wrath of God against sin on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took the wrath and punishment upon himself and by his stripes, we are healed. My friends, don't waste his grace by walking in the darkness. You've been released. There's no more pull. The only pull is what you have inside your heart for selfish reasons that we go back into sin. Your sin has been paid for. Our relationships continue only through repentance and forgiveness. Here's the last thing I wanna to talk to you about, verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. If we say we have not sinned, then either God is a liar or we are. That's what John is saying right there. Either there's no such thing as sin and God is a liar, or there really is a God, there really is a standard, we really do all fall short of that standard of righteousness and holiness. There really is death and judgment for unrepentant sin, and God really did provide grace for forgiveness. Either it really is like that or it isn't. You're either 100% with God or you're 100% on the outside looking in. And if that's the case, then you're helplessly lost in the darkness of your soul. That's what the scripture teaches. But today, you can find him in the light and you can humble yourself and you can admit that you're a sinner and you will find grace and forgiveness and you will be clean and you will walk in the light and you will be in his righteousness. You'll partake in all that he is. You will taste and see that the Lord is good and you will experience the Lord Jesus Christ like many of us, like John and all those who are with him experience Jesus Christ. Some of us might need a confession session today. 
You might need to confess your sin for the first time to the Lord and accept his salvation. You can do that today. What are we talking about? We're talking about and asking the question, will the real Christians please stand up? You know who the real Christians are? Those who fully understand who they are in Jesus Christ. Fully understand the reason we partake in communion as we sit here, our hearts are humbled once more as we remember what Jesus did, the sinless son of God did for us who were rotten sinners. We were rotten to the core and we were lost in the darkness and he helped translate us, transform us into the image of his son and so we are now in the glorious light and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, experiencing him. But some of you need to go home today, some of us, and just get on our knees and say, Lord, I have not been living like I'm supposed to be. I have been sharing you like I should be. I've been doing this sin and you know it, nothing's hidden from your eyes. I've been wallowing in this again. Some of you might be like, I'm right on the edge and you know it. I'm just ready to step over the line and you know it. God, help me. Just get before the Lord. If you know him, get before the Lord and confess it and receive his gift of forgiveness. He is faithful and just and will forgive you all of your sins. We're gonna have a team um, up front here as we always do and Maybe you need some help with that, and maybe you just need to come and say, I need some help. I've got this issue, and I need to get it done, and I need you to pray with me and help me with this. Maybe you just want to come at the end as everybody goes out. You can kneel right here. I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my life where I've just come at the end because I'm so convicted about the things that I'm involved in. I just come and kneel before the Lord right here, and let's just confess it right now. Lord, you're speaking to me right now. I'm going to confess it right now, and I'm going to give it to you. Do it in your pew. Whatever it is, wherever it is, just Give your heart to the Lord and walk in the light as he is in the light. Let's stand together and let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It is just so powerful and so awesome that we get to read it. Thank you for inspiring John so many years ago to write this for us today. It's so relevant for today. Lord, you just... You know how weak we are. You know how weak I am. Would you just encourage our hearts with this message today that we don't have to go back, we don't have to step our foot back into the darkness so we can walk in your light. And give us the courage, give us the humility by your spirit. Convict our hearts, Lord, to give that stuff up again and walk in the newness that you have given to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Bring people to salvation if they need to be saved if they're hearing my voice right now. Lord, you, only you can do that. Only you can open their eyes. But let it be today, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Christian friend. Let's go out and walk in the light, okay? God bless you.